Well, Europe might have seen prices fall, but U.S. equities continue to rise, so there's still a firm risk appetite. How much of that is down to the Fed's shift in attitude? We'll explore that again today. Plus, the big bounce back. ISM numbers were strong overnight in the United States. The Keijin PMI is the highest level for nine years, but the RBA is suggesting it might need to do more. We'll find out how much they need to do when we get Australia's GDP numbers today. It's Wednesday, the 2nd of September, 2020. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, the US dollar fell overnight, but regained it all. So uh, it basically doesn't know where it's going at the moment, does it? It's up 0.7% on the Swiss franc, though, and 0.2% up on the Canadian dollar. The euro is down a quarter percent against the US dollar to the pound, up a tiny bit. The Aussie dollar down a little under 0.2%. US 10-year treasuries, though, down three basis points. We've got a similar story in much of Europe. We've seen a little more flattening of the yield curve in the United States, and equities are back on the rise, up 1.25% for the Nasdaq. That is a new high. It's not far off 12,000. The Dow is up half a percent. The S&P 500 up the same. In Europe, the Eurostoxx 50 moved up a tiny bit, but the FTSE down 1.7%. In fact, Apple is now worth $2.2 trillion, which is more than the entire value of the FTSE 100. That puts things into perspective, doesn't it? And oil is up. WTI is rising 0.6%. Brent up 0.8%. Uh, of course, it fell through uh, most of last week. So just picking up on that. And it, that last week, of course, was a week when Gavin Friend was on holiday. But don't worry, because he's back now. He's here with us. Senior market strategist at NAB in London. Uh, it's been an interesting 24 hours. We've got this turnaround in the US dollar that I just spoke about. It was heading south again. It was down 0.4% in the middle of the session, but uh, it, it it picked up, didn't it? The manufacturing ISM came in uh, stronger than expected, but that's not the only one. I mean, we've had a lot of ISM numbers in the last 24 hours, which have been fairly positive as well. So it's not just the US which is doing okay. Oh, good morning, Phil. A pleasure to be back and hear your dulcets. Indeed, uh, a busy day, Tuesday. Lots of cross-currents, PMI data, as you say, um, from around the world and some soft Eurozone inflation data, as well as encouraging news on German, the German labour market. But uh, let's look mm. at that uh, PMI numbers. So on the whole, the August round of manufacturing activity around the world either revealed an acceleration of the recovery continues or that things have started to stabilise after what has been a fairly swift V-shaped recovery. So that was the case in well, in China, in Australia, India, Sweden, Italy, mm. Germany, the UK and the US. I mean, we should... Greece, France and Spain, different uh, story. Perhaps. Yes, yes. I'll come on to those in a second. We should remember that manufacturing wasn't hit as hard as the services sector and that the services data may be a bit more volatile when we see it on Thursday. But just look at China, for instance, the manufacturing PMI, this was the unofficial caching data that tends to be more sort of reflective of the SME sector and perhaps more export-oriented. Activity there was solid at 53.1 from 52.8, highest since early 2011. Output and yield is up, but again, employment continues to disappoint um, as it does elsewhere and as it is likely to do for a while. So, I mean, in China, does this suggest that the, 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 the SME sector there is recovering a little faster than the rest of the economy? Perhaps. And we know that there's been a bias for manufacturing over services. But we still have the issue, the potential worry down the road that the global headwinds will crimp the Chinese expansion later this year. That's a worry for later, not now. In Europe, 
you know, we of course already know or we knew roughly where the numbers would be on the PMIs thanks to the flash readings a week and a half ago. So stabilising at 51.7 for the Eurozone as a whole, France dipping back below 50 activity on a kind of a too fast, too soon rally last month. Spain also dipping below 50. And I think this is where the where the worry is in terms of Europe with Spanish new coronavirus cases running close to a thousand a day, leaving open the question of what impact that will have on the Spanish economy and particularly the services sector. But elsewhere in Europe, you know, the virus situation does appear to be calming right down, new cases rolling over. Mm. And as we saw Tuesday, you know, Italian manufacturing activity accelerating to 53.1 from just under 52. Germany also accelerating 52.2 from 51. Again, to emphasize, this is manufacturing, not services, but uh, German manufacturing act- German yeah. manufacturing activity is, is, is the beating heart of Europe, and it looks pretty good. I mean, for all the worries over services activity starting to fade or look exhausted here and there in Europe, the EU Commission numbers that we saw last week, the confidence numbers, the French insane numbers, the German EFO release also last week were all pretty good. And, you know, we had German unemployment data Tuesday also better monthly jobless claims yeah. in august fell nine thousand. that's yeah. the second monthly that's right fall. we had seventeen thousand fall in in july but you know it's still got a long way to go to get back hasn't it? i mean if we look at the unemployment rate uh 6.4 percent it was 3.2 percent in january so a, a big climb back yeah and that's right and we don't know i mean we i say we should we, we should understand that the short-time working scheme the infamous Carzite Bite scheme is actually masking the true picture of the labour market, but that's been extended to the end of 2021 now. So that gives, as the German finance minister says, business has got certainty now. I mean, you may argue that that would stop some companies that might want to go to that might you know go to the wall through structural reforms from doing so. But business now has has some certainty, and and just look at you know you, you just brought up that that unemployment number of six point four percent. Compare it with the US at thirteen. Compare it with Australia, which is on its way to ten. You know if this scheme in Germany holds right through to the end of twenty twenty one, you could argue we're already starting to see unemployment peaking out, and it probably mm. may not get much worse from here. So I mean, that makes it, it's going to be very interesting, isn't it, to compare then you know that with countries like the UK where they're they're not extending that job scheme. Yeah. Now, look, no surprise today on the uh, European inflation numbers, or yesterday, I should say. Uh, Negative for the euro area, the flash numbers for August. Uh, Of course, we did get a hint, didn't we, from the German inflation numbers on Monday. So deflation, it's a thing, but for how long? Well, okay. so uh, the headline number, Eurozone uh, inflation for August, uh, it came in at uh, minus 0.2 on the year from uh, up 0.4. So you're right. Deflation is here now uh, away from disinflation. The market was looking for something like a a positive 0.2. Core numbers, the core inflation at 0.4. So that's still disinflation there year on year from 1.2. So... um, the corn rate, I mean, that's the uh, the lowest since the euro began in uh, January uh, 1999. And um, for the headline, it's the, it's the first time since we've been, you know, below zero since 2016. The drivers were big falls in non-energy goods inflation and mainly yeah. French and Italian clothing, which had risen quite dramatically in the last couple of months. And they fell back as summer sales began. So is it just, is it just on, on that, that basis? Is it just a transitory thing that, you know, we've had a, a few months where things have been up and down and, uh, you know, this could easily bob back in a in a month or two. So there was a distortion from that. There was a distortion 
distortion from German VAT cut, which knocked a couple of, mm. shaved a couple of tenths off as well. And the ECB will be very mindful of these distortions. But I think to your point, no, I mean, this is not just a flash in the pan. We all know the way in, uh, prices are going, not just in Europe, but around the world. It's going to be very difficult, you know, to, to to avoid, you know, a move down into deflation, if not perhaps staying in the lower ends of disinflation. And I think that's the forecast of most people now that when these um, sort of distortion effects move away, we'll be sitting around zero for a while yet. Um, and that's yeah. the worry, isn't it? And that's why, again, moving, it's a nice segue into what the Fed did last week and how that is playing yeah, is. out with markets. Well, I mean, I've been, which we talked about, you know, on the, on, on the show all this week, you know, the Fed is there saying, well, you know, we're going to let inflation run hot. That's the least of our worries right now, isn't it? And yet it still seems to be having an impact on, on, on the markets. Well, yeah, I mean, the Fed is basically saying, you know, if we can push up inflation expectations, then maybe we can start to uh, get inflation started to push up as well. I mean, in an environment where, you know, you've got, if you, if, you have, if you have this very stimulatory monetary and fiscal environment, once the labour market starts to heal itself, I mean, those kinds of conditions, you could see inflation moving up. We're already starting to see I mean, break-evens are back up to the highs now. So there's a, there seems to be a bit of demand for, for tips buying. We don't quite know what's going on. You know, in the fact that uh, tips yields, real yields continue to uh, fall away, whether that is, you know, people buying some protection there for higher inflation or is it partly a situation that's created by lack of liquidity in that particular product. But that's what the Fed is doing and it is driving ever so slowly markets towards thinking, well, you know, the Fed is going to be buying more bonds. It pushes more people into equities. And of course, there's the, the knock-on effect of the dollar comes lower as those real yields in the US disproportionately fall. <clears throat> that was the case. <clears throat> it has been the case at the start of this week uh, until we got the US ISM numbers today, which were better um, at 56 from 54.2. New orders <clears throat> and um, production numbers rising into the 60s. Employment again the standout lower number at 46.4 from 44.3, so still contracting. I mean, that's the story around the world in terms of the labour markets. But those numbers were better. And for a moment there, the dollar blipped up three or four tenths. Um, and then we had some comment, and that's pretty much across the board. And then we had some comments from the ECB, the ECB's chief economist, Philip Lane, who said that the euro exchange rate, he was on a panel and he basically said the exchange rate is not a target, but the euro dollar rate does matter. And of course, that caught the market's attention. As you know, people have been piling into long euro positions. So the market is very overbalanced one way. And so that rise in the dollar, the fall in the euro just got extended mm. uh, later in the European session. And we are where we are now, <clears throat> looking at 119. And perhaps we might see a break a little bit lower as some of these positions get cleaned out and squeezed, I think, over the next couple of days. Well, we'll have to see on that. When we look out, we have to move on because we've got to look at what's going on in Australia. First of all, yesterday, the RBA, um, not a great deal out of that, was that they extended the term funding facility, cheaper loans for longer, in other words. They didn't make any startling observations in their statement yesterday. But today, Q2 GDP numbers are out. Uh, that could pile pressure, of course, on the RBA to do more, perhaps, if they surprise on the downside. And they might, if we look at the uh, the AIG manufacturing index, uh, that was one place where we saw numbers below fifty yesterday. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's had that 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 PMI has had a bit of a run up 
I, I would characterize it more as kind of stabilizing a little bit around after a, you know, a decent move higher. The RBA, as you say, no real changes to any of the targets there, but the, the increase in an extension in the term funding scheme. And it brings us now nicely to you know the big uh, the big number of the day, which is going to be the Q2 GDP, as you say. Markets are looking for a decline of six percent Q on Q, and now we're looking for slightly better than that at minus five percent. That'll still be the biggest fall in activity since World War II. Um, there's a lot of uncertainty around these numbers, of course, mm. particularly around the consumer spending. Um, or the services set, which you know, which was heavily impacted um, at the height of the of the crisis in March and April. Um, Q two will it will present a trough uh, in GDP, um, and we see but one of the Q3, shallowest troughs. I mean, that's the point, isn't it? Everyone's got a trough, trough, but you know, Australia's is shallower than most. Well, it will be because in Q three, although we would normally be looking for things to pick up, we've got the impact of the second lockdown in Victoria, which is the headwind yeah. that's knocking off the, the otherwise positive growth we would have from elsewhere. So it, you're right in that in that respect. And then thereafter, we'll start to see things pick picking up. And to your point, we don't see growth getting back to trend or where it was prior to to to, to the virus uh, hit until 2023. So it's going to be a long time running. I think that's the thing we're hearing. I mean, Germany today, just on that point, came out with some better numbers for where it sees growth this year, only falling five percent, not you know uh, you know nearly six percent that it thought previously in April. But again no real pick up next year actually numbers for next year are worse this you know people are starting to think about this is going to be a long drawn out mm. you know phase of the recovery that's going to take quite a bit of time in the meantime build a house because uh, australian building permits were up uh, yesterday so today the adp employment numbers for august for the united states uh, of course we've been seeing a lot of positive indicators for the us but the weekly numbers for jobs have been a little bit disappointing we get oil reserves for the united states a few speakers from central banks uh, neil kashkari from the fed early tomorrow morning. Andy Haldane from the Bank of England. Uh, the Beige Book is out as well from the Fed. So uh, so lots of talking going on, but not from us because we've talked long enough. We must move on. Good to have you back, Gavin. Thanks, Phil. Cheers. Don't even notice. I can't get a word in edgeways when Gavin Friend is on. It's all good. It's all gold, though, isn't it? Uh, back again tomorrow morning. I'm Phil Dobby for now. See you then.